0: Senior Lesson, Number 379, The Resurrection, The Hope of a Christian. Bible text is taken from 1 Corinthians 15 1-58. Memory verse, If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins, 1 Corinthians 15 17. Notes. The Apostle Paul devotes an entire chapter to the subject of the literal resurrection of the body. The resurrection, in fact, is one of the great themes appearing in the most of his epistles. In his missionary journeys he preached the resurrection fearlessly to both Jews and Gentiles. And why did the Apostle put so much stress on this subject? Because, first of all, if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins, 1 Corinthians 15 17. There is therefore no hope of salvation, no hope of eternal life, no hope of heaven, unless the fact that Christ came forth from the grave, and thus broke the bands of death and hell, is unquestionably established in the heart. For upon the fact of Christ's resurrection, as well as upon the fact of His death, hangs all the gospel teachings and the whole Christian faith. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, 1 Corinthians fifteen nineteen. The fact of Christ's resurrection. For this reason the Apostle proceeds to confirm Christ's resurrection, first, on the authority of the Scriptures. Paul wrote this first epistle to the Corinthians about 57 AD, and at this time he had access to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, both of which have much to say about Jesus' resurrection. He also had access to the Old Testament, which likewise abounds in prophecies concerning Jesus, including his death and resurrection. And secondly, he summons as trustworthy witnesses of Jesus' resurrection the eleven apostles and also above five hundred brethren, all of whom had walked and talked with Jesus, off and on, for forty days after his resurrection. The most of these witnesses were yet alive in Paul's time, although some had fallen asleep. And of these witnesses Peter also spoke in his sermon to Cornelius and his household, and we are witnesses of all things which He, Jesus, did both in the land of the Jews, and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree, Him God raised up the third day, and showed Him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us, who did eat and drink with Him after He rose from the dead, Acts 1039 39-41. And last of all, as one born out of due time, Paul himself, on the road to Damascus to arrest the followers of this man of Nazareth, was himself arrested by Jesus, the risen Christ. And this was more than a vision, he saw him and talked with him in person, shining in glory. And thus Paul, too, became an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord, fully qualified, after his wonderful conversion, for his apostleship among the twelve. Christ's resurrection denied by some. Even though the resurrection of Jesus Christ is indisputably established by a great company of witnesses of good character whose testimony cannot be questioned, and which would be immediately accepted in a fair-minded civil court of today, yet in Paul's time there were those who in the face of this testimony point-blank denied the resurrection. The Areopagites on Mars Hill in Athens heard the Apostles' address, until he touched upon the resurrection, and then some mocked. But the unbelief did not end with Paul's day. The modernist of today not only denies the resurrection, but has flatly rejected the supernatural and cast aside all the miracles in the Bible. And as far as that religion is concerned, the whole framework of the Christian faith has collapsed. This the modernist himself knows, but in defense of his position he has pronounced the great fundamental doctrines of the Bible, which were the bulwark of the early church, mere superstitions of the past. And these fatal teachings of modernism are rapidly invading the churches, which once believed and stood for the early teachings of Christ and his apostles. The apostate church of the last days is swiftly taking form. The assurance of the resurrection of Christians. The salvation of the Christian begins when he as a sinner, under pungent conviction for sin, repents with godly sorrow and is justified by faith. But his salvation does not end with this experience, nor with the deeper experiences of sanctification and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His salvation continues through his entire Christian walk, until he is perfected and made ready for the heavenly kingdom. As the Apostle Peter expresses it, Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." 1 Peter 1 8, 9. And this so great salvation, we learned, is sealed by the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Christ's literal resurrection assures more than our eternal salvation. That miracle of miracles also makes certain the resurrection of the body of him who obeys the author of our eternal salvation. But now is Christ risen from the dead, and become the first fruits of them that slept. But every man in his own order, Christ the first-roots, afterward they that are Christ's at his coming, 1 Corinthians 15 20, 23. This promise of the resurrection of the body has been the hope of Christ's church down through the ages. The church, which has lost this hope is dead. All true Christians are looking forward to that great day of redemption, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, 1 Thessalonians 4 16 17. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that, when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure, 1 John 3 2. 3. The Redemption of the Body A mysterious change takes place in the mortal body of a Christian on the day of redemption, even after it has returned to the dust whence it came, undergone corruption, and lain for centuries in the grave. As the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself, the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice, and shall come forth, John 5:26, 28, 29. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you, Romans eight eleven. And Paul likens this mysterious change to seed that is sown, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain, it may chance of wheat, or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. 1 Corinthians 15 36 38. Whatever that miraculous change is when the trumpet sounds, we are assured that these mortal bodies shall be changed into the likeness of his glorified body, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself, Philippians 3 20, 21. And no longer will there be the pain and sorrow and death, which has accompanied us while tabernacling in these mortal bodies. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away, Revelation 21 4. I'm a pilgrim, and I'm a stranger, I can tarry, I can tarry but a night, do not detain me, to where the fountains are ever flowing. Of that city, to which I journey, my Redeemer, my Redeemer is the light, there is no sorrow, nor any sighing, nor any tears there, nor any dying.